CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is a very special sales development podcast because we have a guest from the other side of the cubicle here. This is <laughs> John Steinert, the CMO of Tech Target. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Really appreciate it. And the reason I say this is because we were just talking about before the show, a lot of times, John, there's not great alignment in the, the way that organizations are structured, especially as we get into the world of account-based everything, account-based marketing, account-based sales development. There's still the organizational structure of marketing, sales development, and sales. And I would love to get your take on what you see out there from an alignment perspective in the marketplace and you know, any recommendations that you have for us to tighten up? Okay, cool. That's, a, that's a, as great a way to begin as any because lack of alignment is a super source of sort of underperformance either as a company as a whole or I really think in these two departments, say marketing and inside sales together, if they are not aligned, they will underperform is my belief. And and I'll take you back. I've been in this business a long time in, in B2B marketing and sales. And so I keep these lessons that are profound to me that I've learned. And, and I, I learned this lesson from calling on IBM. They were trying to teach me how to be productive at the beginning of a meeting. And maybe there's some learning here for the beginning of a call too. You know, if you're an SDR doing outbound. And the point they raised was, what we found at IBM is that if we're going to try to get something done and we're going to have to partner with somebody else, the first thing we have to be very open about is checking that our, our KPIs are not misaligned. What do I mean by that? You literally have to ask the person, how are you gold? Because if you can establish right at the opening that your goals are in misalignment, you can't have a productive conversation going forward unless you choose to do something about changing the goals, which we all know is really hard. So what is what is the connection between that and aligning SDRs or inside sales and marketing? Well, if inside your organization, marketing is gold on something like leads – and SDRs are gold on something like meetings, you notice it's not the same thing. Yes. So SDRs are going to try to get meetings. Marketers are going to try to produce leads. There may be a very slight connection between whether or not those leads create meetings 
And something that I'm more interested in as a more senior guy is do those meetings actually turn into real opportunities? So actually, I don't like either of those KPIs. I think that if a marketer sits down with an SDR and the marketer says, I'm going to hand you leads, but the SDR says, I need meetings, the SDR is going to say, I really don't like those leads. So what is the way out of this? Well, marketers in my organization need to really be gold on productive meetings. That is the opportunity yield downstream of marketing. And I would argue that SDRs is the same way. We're seeing it today in our organization as we build up our SDRs. We had them gold originally on meetings. But the question is, what stimulus is there to create a meeting for these people versus a good meeting? So meetings alone is not a good KPI, and certainly leads alone are not the right KPIs. Obviously, that's a much larger conversation. Okay. But this gets us on the track of starting to talk between each other and say, what, what is it that you do, and, and how can what you do help me do what I do? I do believe that, largely speaking, marketing is operating upstream of inside sales SDRs. There are organizations where they're doing exactly the same thing, right? They're both doing demand identification. And there's potential for conflict there as well. Because if they view themselves as being in, in competition, and I don't think that the the SDRs necessarily see marketing as competition, but I can tell you that marketing does CSDRs as competition, that then there's a problem there. They're not going to collaborate. So they have to be inspired to function as a team or marketing actually won't take an interest in the production, the productivity of SDRs. So I'm talking now directly to, to marketing leaders to say, you've got to figure out a way to create cultural alignment in your organization that supports the SDR activity. And why do I say that? Well, the big investment that I'm seeing in B2B companies now is on the SDR side. And we're making huge investments in the human beings, which is a great benefit to have people involved on the SDR side. So if we're going to make that investment, by gosh, we better make sure that we can make those people productive. And marketing has a lot to add as long as it gets its mind its heart in the SDR game. And so I wanted to say a little bit about that, if, if you let me. You know, why might an SDR organization find value in a marketing organization? Maybe it's immediately ob obvious. David, do you think it's immediately obvious? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm from the school of thought that SDR should roll up to marketing, but that's a whole other thing. You know, I think if you boil sales development down, it's appointments that lead to pipeline, that lead to revenue. And so, you know, at the front end of what you were saying, why not have the same KPIs, you know, be across the board so that everyone's on the same page? But it, I know that that's a magic wand situation that is not at most companies. But, you know, go right ahead. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Well, okay, so let's just debate that. So I run corporate marketing here at Tech Target, and I have a lot of responsibilities that really don't directly 
impact pipeline in a measurable way. So I'm responsible for the reputation of the company in the marketplace. And I got to do PR activities. I got to do analyst relations activities and all those things. And those kind of prepare the ground for SDRs, but they're kind of different and they're indirect. But in the process of doing that, this is where I think I agree with you that marketing can provide a lot of value if it's packaged correctly, is that over 30 years, I've spent kind of every moment thinking about how to get somebody to pay attention to the connection between their business problem and what my company can do for them. That's all I think about. So I think about what those business problems are and how we can help solve them. And then I think about packaging that such that somebody pays attention and sees what I'm talking about and reaches out to tech target right on the inbound side. Well, the same thing is happening on the outbound side. I do it in emails and demand generation emails. This is exactly the same thing if the email comes from marketing or it comes from the SDRs, right? And it's exactly the same thing as what they have to say on the phone if somebody picks up. So what I'm saying is that the content understanding, the persona understanding is a primary task of marketing. And so the SDRs actually should be looking to marketing to supply that. And you might say, well, that's obvious, especially in small companies. It is obvious. But the bigger the company, the more distance there there is between those groups. Even in field marketing organizations, the SDR team can be you know, hugely geographically separate for reasons of cost management and just real estate. So you get this situation where SDRs are not enabled enough. And I'm saying that the key place to look for enablement is over in marketing. But if that process has not been built, it is incumbent on the SDR management to look to build a relationship with marketing. If marketing is not paying attention to the SDR channel, they have to actually be taught to. They have to see the benefit in it to them. And so it could be that marketing's KPIs are wrong and they're not getting, and this is something marketers really care about, they're not necessarily paid on it. Some organizations are, some are not. But they definitely have a real chip on their shoulder about getting credit for the work they do. So if an SDR manager is not getting enough great enablement out of marketing, I'm saying that the SDR should create a relationship with somebody in demand and somebody in field marketing, all the way up to the CMO if necessary, to say, we need your help. We think you guys understand the persona in ways that could enable us. And we are not staffed or built to enable ourselves. So we will credit you. We will behave properly in Salesloft and Salesforce.com so that people know that we've acted on something that you provided. But what we need you to do is to figure out ways to enable us with understanding of our target audience, with subject lines, with scripting guidance, all that kind of thing. And then you begin to create this relationship between the two organizations, which should be synergistic, but too often is not. That's really tough. And it's just interesting because, you know, you're making me think on on the KPI side, if 
if all three of the organization were focused on driving the appointment, which led to pipeline, which led to revenue, it just seems like it would make a lot of sense if just all three of them had the same KPIs. Because everything, and you know, challenge me, everything that you're doing on the PR side and the analyst side and everything that you're doing with the brand and, and aligning the product with what the customers need and, and stuff like that, it all is going into building a great reputation, which would cause some important decision maker to pick up the phone and want to talk to you, which leads to an appointment. And, and so, which leads to pipeline, which leads to revenue. So why not just hold everybody accountable to the same three things? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's obvious. It's staring us in the face. We got to think about what are the barriers that are keeping us from doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think the the primary barrier is that sales-leaning organizations don't think about doing it simply because they're so focused on doing the best they can with whatever they have. So they're not necessarily going to reach out to other organizations to help. They're not going to look at KPI barriers that exist in other organizations that are preventing those organizations from helping them. And marketing folks, by the same token, aren't necessarily tasked with having creating sort of physical relationships with individual accounts and individual people. Marketing is very much a one-to-many kind of practice. And so, you know, there are very few marketing people and relatively large target audience. And so they don't really want to get involved in this one-to-one interaction that is a telephone call. So it's kind of something they want to stay away from. All I'm saying is that to get maximum value out of your SDRs, you need to enable them better, and marketing is in a good position to enable. So who you know, who in the senior position can make that happen, and what do they have to think about? They have to think about KPIs. They have to think about credit. They have to think about, well, we don't want to stack some kind of compensation on top so marketing's getting compensation on this, SDRs are getting compensation, salespeople are getting compensation. So that's a little bit, there's some subtlety in there. Everybody has to get credit for their piece. That doesn't mean it has to apply to compensation. So these organizations are compensated differently too. And it gets a little bit more complicated than you might imagine. So I agree with you that you say, get them philosophically aligned find a way to share credit so that they stay motivated, but don't worry too much about changing comp structures and things like that early in the game. If you can get them behaving correctly, marketers enjoy seeing their contribution contribute. And it could be that that emotional contribution is enough and you don't have to get into a lot of detailed credit. And you certainly don't have to split you know, some kind of comp between a marketer and an SDR. Nobody has to go there. So we can move on to that. From that, I think, because I wanted to tell you a little bit about what Tech Target is before I forget, because I yes. kind of owe, owe that to my constituencies. <laughs> of course. And I, I did, while we take a breather there, when you were on the interview over at Engageo, you mentioned that you, that your wife, you know, kind of her eyes glaze over when you start ranting. So I just want to offer yeah. you a soapbox here with a raptured audience of anything that you want to talk about with regards to... <laughs> 
<laughs> B2B marketing. So Yeah, so I do these rants. <laughs> you know, I publish an article every month on Martech Today, or you can get it through our website, through the resources section of our website. And to, I don't know, some people might find writing about this stuff easy, but I have to fire myself up and I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But let me tell you about Tech Target. So Tech Target is, if you didn't know, you should know, we're far and away the largest provider of B2B tech purchase intent insight. And, you know, we dwarf everybody else. We call it real purchase intent and I'll talk about why it's real. If you're interested, you have to ask me questions about it to, to kind of drag that out of me. We've got about 1,300 clients. They are all enterprise technology companies. But when I talk about purchase intent, the concept applies in any industry. It's just the tech target can't sell to you if you're not in enterprise technology. The way we achieved this leadership is that we built a gigantic content engine. We actually have 200 editors on staff. We have more than a thousand writers who contribute and we have 140 websites. Each one is specific to a sub subcategory within the enterprise tech market. So we have this very big publishing endeavor. And what that does is it attracts people who are in the market shopping for enterprise technology and looking for information about that, techno that technology to our websites. When they come into their websites, they get this information free, but the best information is behind a registration wall. And so they need to register. When they register, they are explicitly told that we are going to use their information to share with our tech vendor clients. And the deal is you get this information free if we can use your, your name, your details, and your behavior. That's super important in GDPR, right? So we have GDPR-informed consent to use people's data, and that makes us very unusual. Then all of the stuff that we publish is set up to support a purchase decision. It's exactly as you would do on your website in your company if you were doing publishing content correctly. So what we've done over time is we've mapped buyer's journeys and how people buy enterprise technology, and we build the documentation, the editorial, to support people in different parts of their buyer's journey. Then on the back end, we can watch what people are doing. And these are actual people, right? We have their names, we have their contact information, we have all that stuff. And then we can package that up in our portal called Priority Engine and make it available to our enterprise tech clients for them to use in marketing and sales. So we're a giant vacuum cleaner for the demand that's in the enterprise tech market. We suck in all that demand, we understand it, and then we lay it out for our clients to use in marketing and sales. So it's pretty so simple. powerful. It's amazing. I mean, intent data from the sales development perspective is huge because, you know, the the spam, spammy mass emailing or just cold calling with no personalization just does not work anymore. You have to have some nugget, some piece of information that, you know, is relevant to the person that you're reaching out to and which is tech target has been amazing in, in being able to provide that question for you. Do you have one set up for sales development? 
Yes. So the sales use cases can get very specific. And so what we've done is we've got this portal called Priority Engine, and you can set it up in different ways. And for sales development, the typical use case could be that you take an individual's territory and the ter- within the territory, you have a defined set of accounts and you set up that in the system. And then every week, those accounts are monitored for that salesperson and the activity in the demand activity in those accounts is forwarded to the salesperson through their CRM. And they will see it in their CRM against those accounts. In their CRM, if they go into a contact or an account, they can click in and get all the information that will take them right into our portal about what's going on in that account and the individuals who are actively researching. So Amazing. exactly yes, right, against against the account use case. A sales manager can look at all the accounts that he or she manages and do the same thing against all those accounts. So they just, that you know, at the beginning of the quarter, or, you know, a couple of weeks before the quarter, everyone gets their accounts allotted, you know, for their territories. And then those are ring fenced in the CRM. And then we pipe in all the tech target data. And literally, you know, instead of just flying blind in your territory, you're seeing these intent signals coming in from actual accounts that you're working on. That's right. So, so it comes in on the account, but what you learn about is the individual. So you learn the behaviors of the individual. You learn the competitive content that they're consuming. So if you're going to position competitively, you can learn about that. You can prepare your call that way. You learn about what they're most interested in, in terms of feature function, about the solution. So you know what aspects to take forward about your particular solution. All the things you would need to have a really powerful pitch you have in front of you. Now, the challenge is, of course, from a training perspective, is that these are not leads. Right. These are people who have not said, I want to talk to David about his great you know, podcast. In fact, they don't know that you're watching them. So how do you think you should reach out to them? Well, you should reach out to them as an expert in a subject area that clearly is matters to them right now. And you can do that using references. You can say, look, a lot of our clients in this particular solution area, call it flash storage, are, are really concerned about things like security or latency, or something like that right now. Is that something that you might want to hear more about? Right. And they will answer, because you know they're in a buyer's journey, yeah, a matter of fact, <laughs> that would be really tight. What a coincidence. <laughs> right? And so we say, <laughs> do things like, say, we've got some consultants who are going to be in your area in the next couple of weeks. How about they drop by and take you through our point of view? on this. And those consultants are obviously field salespeople. Okay. This is, this is basically like taking a machine gun to a knife fight. Okay. Cause yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, how, how, okay. So you gave us an example. How, how do you guys use tech target at tech target? Cause I'm assuming that you have it plugged in obviously. Well, yeah. So we have it plugged in, but remember that we're selling MarTech solutions. Okay. 
to technology companies. So we have to use it a little bit differently, but mm. we use it in a variety of ways. We use it to see, we've got HG data embedded in the product. So we use it to see what is installed in their MarTech stack. We use it to see what the client is doing in terms of their mentions on our websites, what they're doing in terms of their marketing on our websites. We analyze the performance of their marketing for them, and we use it to see if they're not clients, right, to pursue prospects. But we don't actually use this third-party intent. We use our own first-party intent, which is much more typical to most companies. So there isn't a third third-party intent resource like TechTarget for the MarTech space that we play in. But there is first-party intent, and that's signals from your website, signals through marketing automation, signals through your CRM. And we use that intently, you know, in all our SDR activity. Yeah, so that's we study what... Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if there's any entrepreneurs on, on the podcast today, there's a, looks like a great opportunity. I'm surprised Scott Brinker hasn't come up with a publishing empire to start, <laughs> you know. Well, he uh, is, right? He's, he's okay. on, on his way. Yeah, okay. So basically, basically, the MarTech show and the that whole group has a publishing empire, and they publish things that could be used to generate intent. But the key thing that the real secret sauce is you've got to publish stuff that follows the buyer's journey. So it can't just be top of funnel. It can't be general stuff. It's got to be choosing between different possible solutions to a problem. Okay. Right? Right. And these are things that, you know, G2 Crowd and those folks are providing intense signals, real intense signals about, but nobody has it quite as robust. The the decision-making process for MarTech is not quite as kind of complicated as real heavy-duty heavy, heavy duty enterprise tech, but it is similar. And you, you should expect to see us play in that. We play heavily in the CRM space, in the HCM space. MarTech right now is a hugely fragmented market. And once it starts kind of settling down, you'll see Tech Target doing a lot of stuff there. Okay. Well, I want to volunteer to help with the sales development one, if you ever put it up. So let me know. And, you know, it's interesting because now after people have been listening to this, when you start to click on things on LinkedIn and Twitter and different articles, you'll start to see it'll say tech target dot, you know, HCM yeah. <laughs> dot. And all of a sudden it's like, you're everywhere. Okay. That's how you get the information. Got it. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, so that's that's how it begins. So, so it begins with a Google search or, or if you're looking at some other kind of solution, those are, you know, ads that we run for our clients that take people back to us. And yeah. if you want the goodies, you got to give us your name and everything and submit to this matrix and, and then we'll be able to give you the goodies. And it's a mutually beneficial relationship. So let me ask you this. So say there's a there's a, an SDR manager out there and he really he or she has bought into what we're talking about. He's going to forge a relationship with marketing. He he wants to get in t- intense signals, you know, in front of his team so that they have a chance, a fighting chance. From a senior executive position, what what is this line manager 
what's their game plan for going up the chain of command and saying, you know, hey, we we need to in, innovate here because the old school way of doing a thousand phone calls a day and, you know, spamming people doesn't work in, anymore. So we've got to make some investments. We need some alignment. What are some advice that you would give that person as a you know step? Well, so the first thing is that that inside human beings, a lot of human beings, there is the desire to drive change. That's one type of human being. In in other types, there's just a really good ability to be laser focused. So often I've seen that the super laser focused folks who are, look, I understand my KPIs. I understand the levers to drive those KPIs. I'm going to think inside the box and do those. So I'm talking really about something you typically see in high-velocity SDR organizations. And these guys don't necessarily have access to the types of budget that are associated with getting access to our priority engine. So to them, I would say, look, the marketing department is dying to help, and they're dying to get more leverage out of the data they're buying. So you need to inspire, you need to create this relationship that we talked about in the beginning with your marketing colleague, and you need to ask them, are you looking into real purchase intent data? Are you looking, if you're in the enterprise tech space, are you looking at this company tech target? I would, and you need to say, if you are, I would like to get access to that data, please. Because the marketing department is going to buy it for their own demand gen. So now it's sitting there in the marketing department. You don't even know about it. You have to tell them that you'd like access to it. And the benefit to them is if the SDRs like it, then the marketer who bought it is going to get more ROI from it because he can start taking credit for helping the SDR. So that's the way I would do it diplomatically in the high-velocity space. But in the ABM space where you've got a little sort of more bandwidth to think about things, you maybe have more budget, that gets, that's where it gets really interesting because you're talking maybe some hybrid inbound, inbound, outbound kinds of stuff. We're talking about less high velocity, more preparation. We're talking about adding expense in the coverage of a particular set of accounts because we believe that by adding expense, we're going to, you know, let's say we just for argument's sake, we double the expense, but we're going to quintuple the revenue we get from those accounts. There it starts to be really interesting because there you're going to want your SDRs in the system, in Priority Engine, really studying what's going on in their accounts. And that's what I wrote one of my latest articles about. I might have titled it in a way that was kind of too funky for sales folks, but marketing folks often kind of like out there titles. It's something about the cosmic slingshot for sales. So why do I come up with these titles and how does that inform, you know, does that, would you ever put that if you're an SDR in an email? Well, here's when you would put it in an outbound email. See, a few months ago, yeah, two months ago, we had sent this probe out to like the, the planet that was further than anything ever that had been reached from Earth, yes. right? And and in order to get satellites or probes to these distant things, because you can't put enough fuel on the rocket, 
you use the gravity of different planets to slingshot you out somehow faster, you know, to get there without having to use rocket fuel. And so what I was trying to say is, okay, well, so this is happening right now in the real world and kind of a metaphor for it exists in your own kind of mundane, but equally sometimes as exciting SDR world. And so I was talking about how, how can you really accelerate things that are happening in, in your pipeline? And so I call it a cosmic slingshot for sales, referring to this gravity assist function that they use when they're doing, you know, satellite or I mean, uh, probe, you know, send offs. So the idea is that, and I think you call it in the hidden funnel, right? The idea is that there's all this stuff that's going on at your prospect that because the only tool you have to read this activity is at worst, you've got some Marketo signals. At best, you've got that combined with some web signals, but that's really only what's coming into you. You don't know anything about what they're doing outside of when they visit your website or they respond to one of your campaigns. So there's this whole hidden set of demand signals that you can't read. And that's why you need purchase intent, because it's going to give you a lot more information about what's going on in those accounts. So if you're going to make the investment in ABM, which means you're going to be spending more energy on a smaller set of accounts, you ought to make the investment in getting more signals about what's going on in those accounts. And I think that the great SDRs do this naturally, right? They're constantly probing LinkedIn to see if they can find some hook that will help them open a conversation or personalize a conversation if they get somebody on the phone. These signals, yep, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, so the, these signals work exactly that way. I mean, I do it every time. Like I look you up, up and down on on LinkedIn to say what makes this guy tick before we got together for this podcast. And I think that that's really, you know, that's not just a business thing. <laughs> that's a human relationship. <laughs> kind of thing. So LinkedIn is really good to see if you have something in common with your audience. Well, purchase intent data gives you information about that person that you can use to have a resonant conversation with them. Now you have to commit to thinking about what that information is telling you. And you have to commit to practicing a conversational style that allows you to do it. So now let's compare and contrast an ABM team, inside sales team with high velocity. On the high velocity side, we should it's not fair to expect high velocity SDRs to make the time to do what it takes to have to create resonant conversations with their target audience. The guys have to make so many calls that they just don't have the time. So it is incumbent on their management to create this relationship with marketing and to inspire marketing to build its outputs with SDRs as a target. What do I mean? What I mean is that we create in marketing, we create assets that we send out to the prospect audience. Those assets should inform should well what's in those assets should be explained to SDRs but you can't have them read a 1500 page article to get the key points they don't have the time for it 
we create assets that target particular personas, but you can't explain and you you can't expect an SDR who's only been in the job at most a year, maybe two years. Tenure now is three years at at some of the SDR organizations, and that's considered long, right? It's only three years experience thinking about personae that represent people with, you know, 15, 20 years experience. So you can't expect the SDR to know that. You have to tell them. (laughs) And you have to tell them in a way that they can use this information. You have to say, okay, this is for marketing ops. (laughs) They think about these three things. (laughs) That's what you have to know now. And I've got some signals that this marketing ops guy is thinking about using something in addition to contact data. Right, So he's on this part of our website. He downloaded these things. It means this. Start. Then we go to start the conversation this way. And so what we're doing at Tech Target now is we have an enhanced module on the product where we actually go out and research the deals that we see that are developing. And we go and we call these folks using researchers and we ask them. We say, we think we see a project. And as Tech Target, the editorial organization, we we think because we can see this person because they're a member of one of our websites, right? We think that you might want some help navigating Tech Target to find the right content to help you in this deal cycle. So when they say yes, we say, well, tell us more about the deal. We now collect that information and we include that in Priority Engine as verified projects in the system. So now you have this information. When we provide information about a verified project, we actually provide scripting for what the SDR should say. We don't do that for all the prospects that are in there, the active prospects, but we do do that when there's a verified deal. And the reason we do that for a verified deal is that it really sucks if you don't treat a real deal that's happening as something extra special. So if you blow it as an SDR calling into something where there is actually a project going to happen, you've totally lost it, right? That's a closed loss as soon as that call fails. So, so you, you don't your, your team is actually assisting your clients in in this project. Is that correct? Tell me more. So, Tell so me more. Your, your, your researchers will notice when a project is happening on the client side that yeah. that affects one of your customers and then reaches out and makes this makes this yeah, exactly. assist yeah. and then and then actually okay so the, but this would be more of an abm on the abm side versus the velocity side i would assume well no so so when we package this we package this information two ways it can be in the portal the priority engine portal or it can be bought independently. And so this is also purchase intent data. Of course, it's purchase intent data because we verified the purchase intentions of the customer, right? So we (laughs) also sell this as a freestanding product as reports that can either be delivered as PDF attachments or they will flow right into Salesforce. And some clients buy it that way because they understand exactly what this is. It says, it says, Here's the key person. Here are all the elements of what they're buying, what's installed, what their key pain points are, all that stuff. It's much more expensive 
than just buying the prospect behaviors. But it's very powerful and it works for field sales. It works for SDRs and it really works for well for channel partners too because channel partners need that information when they go in to say that they're really the best partner to help install or select and install a particular solution. Amazing. It costs more and that's why it's it's horrible if you mishandle it. But imagine, right. so you know there's a deal there and this prospect has has shown no interest in your company. You got to be super careful, right? Because if you blow it, you blow it right at the front and they're never going to talk to you again. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. It's a, I mean, it's just when you mention that, it's like we, we really throw SDRs to the wolves. You know, a lot oh, yeah. of times and we would probably leave a lot of money on the table because like you said, you got this person who just graduated from college. They got a little bit of training. They may not have all the things that you're talking about in front of them. And now they're calling on someone with 20 years of experience trying to set up a meeting. And it's just like, really? You gotta, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's such a, it is such a hard job. Yeah. And if you think about I think I think I see in the American culture a change in the point of view about the sales role. And I don't know why it is exactly. Uh, certainly for me, because I work like fifteen feet from the SDRs here at Tech Target, I am just blown away by the fortitude of these young people who come to work every day and do a super hard job. And don't know about much about what we sell and do it day in and day out. So I have this huge empathy for them. And that's really helped me say, geez, I really should help them as much as I can. But in my career as a, you know, a corporate marketing guy at very big companies, I didn't feel any of that empathy at all. So that's really new for me. And I think it's really instructive to me, you know, to think that they should understand our products is ridiculous. So who's going to help them understand our products? Obviously, we've got sales enablement that can help them, but sales enablement doesn't understand the products as well as marketing people. So we are really doubling down here on thinking smart ways to enable different levels of sales talent. And how can you make these folks productive? And you know, when it works, they actually graduate and they become better field salespeople. And, and it's really a wonderful thing. When we fail energetic young people, it's because we didn't help them actually see how all these things were linked together. We didn't give them a clear enough reason, a big enough reason to come to work. They didn't understand where they fit in. They didn't see the significance of their contribution. And when you can do that, you can retain a lot more of them. When they feel a part of the bigger whole, you can retain them. So I really think it's it's horrible to separate out your SDRs in a way that, that blocks them 
from being feeling like they're part of the whole working organism. I do, you know, the balance you have to strike is you can't train them too much, but you can enable them and you can just just be nice to them. <laughs> there you go. Well, okay, you heard it here first, folks. John is stepping up and all the marketers out there should should listen because I can think of two shining examples here in the Bay of companies that have taken this approach and they're super successful. One of them is Salesforce, which basically yeah. invented, you know, sales development 2.0 as we see it today. The other one is LinkedIn. They have a very sim both of those companies have a very similar philosophy. They're really built on sales development success. And now they've got people who they, they're really good at hiring top talent to go into this program. It's like a machine. And now they've got people, you know, five or 10 years later who are still there, who are at like the VP level that came in through that organization. So I couldn't agree with you more. So, you know, what if somebody says to you, God, SDR job sucks. My my retort is, well, no, it doesn't. No, it's just really hard. <laughs> and maybe you think it sucks because it's so darn hard. But if you can aspire to perform in that role, you could probably do anything. Because you've got to practice. You can see yourself getting better. You've got to follow some patterns, practice patterns. You can see your skill build up. You got to ask people what you're doing wrong. You got to be coachable. These are all skills that will help you in any job. So why not Amen. just jump right in and try the hardest job that there is that somebody's willing to offer you? 100%. I mean, the skills that, that you learn, I mean, obviously, I'm a big proponent, but I mean, the skills that you learn are invaluable. And you can, you can use them to become a better marketer, if that's what you want to do, become a better salesperson, become a better customer success rep, become a better entrepreneur. I mean, it's just the, exactly what you're talking about, that getting in the reps and sets on something that's so hard is invaluable. And and so that's why we do this, you know, that's why we're excited about it. And now I want to go down that path more. I know we're coming up against the hour, John, this has been amazing, but I had one other kind of techie question for you because you're really in in the space and and you may know this or, or may have some ideas on it. The CRM, you know, is clunky for sales development professionals. And over the last five years, you've seen these specialized programs like Sales Loft and Outreach and a number of other competitors come out to address that and make their jobs more streamlined and things like that. And then at the same time, you've got your Engageo and account-based marketing programs that have been set up to enable that process. And so have you seen sales development organization use one or both of those products to enable the, 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 the process to bring in the intent data, put it in an email, make a phone call, send a social, you know, and all the th different things that they do. Have you seen anyone be successful with using one of those programs in com combination with TechTarget? So absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now, there's one caveat. So the key, and, and this sort of part of the topo engageo philosophy of account-based everything, and this really applies to 
an account view of the world. But if you if you if you think it's fair to say that all sales teams are really account based, we're okay if we stay in the sales world. If we if you've got marketing listeners, you have to tell them you've got to think about account based. So if you are in the account based world, in the account based mindset, you are thinking about demand in terms of it's existing within accounts in your patch, right? You're, so you're philosophically aligned with the way demand actually exists in the world, right? Nobody's buying an enterprise tech solution for themselves at home, right? <laughs> We're <laughs> right. talking B2B. So they're part yeah. of an account. Okay, so as long as you you have that philosophy, you're starting off correctly. Now, if you're using a sales loft and you're just pulling names out of CRM to put in cadences, you have to make sure that you're pulling those in a sensible way. And following this account-based philosophy is you're going to be applying your calling volumes against specific accounts. So if you don't do that, you're calling essentially on a random basis. So the whole principle of what TechTarget does is for the velocity guys, it helps them know which accounts are actually in market and prioritize those accounts. And, the con- and it shows them the contacts who are actually doing buying research. So prioritize those contacts, right? It's very different from just buying a Discover Org list or Zoom Info, now the same, Discover Zoom, and calling everybody in the companies. That's a huge waste of time because a large percentage of those folks aren't in market. So they don't want to talk. They have no reason to talk to you. They have no reason to even research your solution. So fundamental to purchase intent is that you want to concentrate your effort, whether you're an ABM SDR team or a high-velocity team, on those accounts that are in market. So that's point one. You're going to concentrate on a certain set of accounts. In the high-velocity world, it's those accounts that have been assigned who are in market, right? And you want to apply all your efforts to those. Then what does that mean on a single account basis? Well, inside the account, will provide you the prospects who are actively researching. This is a really interesting thing. So there are a lot of companies out there who tell us as clients that the marketers will tell us that you can't supply any leads to us for anybody with a title below director. Well, the problem is for the most part, directors, VPs, you know, CMOs, CFOs aren't spending their time surfing the web looking for solutions. They got people for that. And so the signals that somebody is in market are going to come from people who are not the folks that your field sales wants to call in, call on. But they are the folks that your SDRs should be engaging with to work up the ladder to find who the decision makers are. So fundamentally, the SDR motion has to support the way deals actually take shape or are expressed in behavior. And it takes us all the way back to the KPIs conversation. So if your SDRs are told, we only want you calling on director or above, 
I think they're going to fail because they're going to miss the signals that are coming early in the process from the folks who are actually doing the research, either directly for their management, who has said, go find out about this, or because they're innovators in their own right, and they're trying to solve a problem for their company. So this is make sure you see that buying group and do not give up on that account until you've tried everything you possibly can. If you see business happening in that account, don't go to the next account. So how can you get your SDR team to make sure it must engage with that account if that account is spiking a lot of demand signals? This is a change in KPIs too. So you have to help them prioritize and give them license and inspire them to break into certain accounts, not to move on from one account to the next. It's just like if you're a sales manager and you see a lot of opportunities stalled, you're going to ask your field salesperson, what is he doing to advance those opportunities? That's what we're talking about here. It is reason to concentrate on an account and not give up. You're going to try all the active prospects. You're going to try contacts around the active prospects. You're going to get through to that company. And that makes it very different. So so that applies further down the pipeline as well. So once the opportunity has left the SDR space, you still want to monitor that activity because you've got to know what is going on in that account that you can't see. The field sales guy can't be pinging that account constantly or the account's not going to answer. You need to provide that insight to them so they know if there is competitive incursion happening in that opportunity. You can see that with tech target intent data. You can't see that very many other ways. Got it. Okay. So it's a larger strategic approach to how you organize it versus, you know, just like you said, downloading a discover org list in a sales loft and having at it you've got to take it from take a step back and set it up correctly at the get-go otherwise you're just kind of spinning your wheels i i could see one pushback from the sdr manager if and i guess this, this is an enablement question is you know hey there's a signal coming in from a low level person at the account that they're doing some research because directors and vps don't don't do this this is what lower level people at the account do there's a signal coming in now instead of just oh that person's too low i'm going to move on i'm going to spend some time there but i could see the manager going why are you spending all this time talking to you know this very low level person when to your point about the KPIs, we only get credit if we set up a meeting with a director. Why are you spending all your time doing this? You know? Yeah. Well, so, so first thing, the first thing is they're not going to appear as a high priority account in our priority engine. If it's only one person. So part of what, what shows you that the account is actually in a buyer's journey is that it's multiple people. It's sustained over time and it's lots of activity so don't in your mind equate this with they downloaded one white paper or some really active you know intern is really stoked and is downloading lots of white papers that's not what we're talking about we're talking about a pattern of behavior among a number of people that aligns with the 
the benefits of, of your solution. So you will see what they're reading about. You will see the intensity of their activity. You will see multiple people. And it's then that you don't give up. And we even provide Discover.org contacts on top of this through our partnership with them that tell you who these seniors are around that research. So you mm-hmm. could call them directly. They may not even know that that research is going on. I believe that the, the proper way to do it is to engage with those lower level people and talk to them about where they are in the project, what kind of help you could give them to start talking about solutions with their management. Got it. So you're, you're, you're actually you're creating the, yeah. you're a partner. You're partnering yeah, exactly. up with them. You're trying to help them. And so, and, and yeah, so this is, this is going to be, you know, new, new training for the SDRs. If you're doing something like this, because it's, it's, it's not just, I'm going to set up a meeting. I got to set up a meeting. It's, it's like, how can I partner with this person to navigate the organization? Cause we know there's something happening here and we have to get more people on board and have more meetings. And it's, it's a much more sophisticated operation than how you used to do it in the old days. Yeah. Well, so in the high velocity case, yeah, I'm yep. just saying use those signals to get any meeting in that company. Right. Yeah. But in the ABM case, we're talking more generally more seasoned SDRs who have more time to spend, who can do more qualification and can set up a better meeting. Yeah. And I think that's the major takeaway here, folks, is you have to understand are you a high velocity shop? Are you an ABM shop or, or are you some mix of the two? Because we keep coming back to the fact that all of these strategies will be different based on that motion. And so that's the kind of the first thing that you have to, for some, for some people, you know, making all those calls and just trying to touch as many people is, is going to work because it flips over fast and others, when you're going way up market doing ABM, you got to be more sophisticated. So. Yeah, I think for either case, you don't want to abandon an account where you know there's a buyer's journey happening. Right. So you want to you want to apply your dials in high velocity to that account. You want to increase the number of dials to that account, right, across more people, rather than increasing the number of accounts you're touching. Right. Yep. Exactly. Because there's something going on there. And, and that's that's the huge difference is there's something going on there at that account. There's some kind of research happening on the project that you can help with versus this list of 100 other accounts where there's nothing going on. They're just don't, they're not interested. I mean, they just don't have an issue that you can solve. So don't waste your time over there until you actually see something happening. That's right. And that way you can optimize how many more people are you going to add? How many dials do you need them to do? And you're not going to blow out your hiring when in fact there isn't that much active demand you can access in your market, right? You can get a much clearer picture of how much active demand there is in your market. And then you can actually build your SDR team up to that level and their dial counts and all that up to that level. So like our subscriptions are based on how many prospects, active prospects, these people exhibiting signals, will we send to you every week? And you could actually map that to your SDR staffing. Now you could say, well, in addition to Tech Target, we want people doing high velocity just with contacts from Discover.org. 
go to it, I would argue you're wasting your money. And someday somebody's going to find out that you've got a lot of calls where you never get through. Or there's even if you do get through, there's no business there. So what exactly were you doing? Now, maybe it's good if you were if you were communicating a positive brand experience, but that would be brand spend. It wouldn't be effective sales activity. Wow. Okay, that is that is really interesting. I mean, and it's too bad. Again, the tech target, you know, has has a certain amount of coverage, but I, there's a a lot of companies that could really benefit from what you're talking about because they wouldn't waste all their time just randomly cold calling. They could really dial in their headcount on what is actually there. So that that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I think it's it's pretty true right now that in the B2B space, there aren't a lot of companies. This isn't true in the consumer space. The B2B space, well, folks aren't yet really managing SDR spend that tightly. In my marketing department, one headcount is incredibly hard to come by. But, you know, we add them SDRs like mad. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I think it has to do with just that we've been in a progression for several years. And I probably a lot of the people making these decisions don't remember you know, the last recession that we had and they don't, they're just trying to grow yeah. at all costs, you know, so throw a bunch of people at it and give them discover org and have at yeah. it, you know, and then that's kind of the end of the thought process where the things you're talking about are much more sophisticated. Yeah. So I think you're right. That's interesting that you bring it. I hadn't even thought of that, that the value of what we do will increase as the expense side sensitivity grows. That's a positive thought for a coming recession. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know. And I, I, I got it. I don't want there to be a recession, but I think if you've been around for longer than a few years, you know that you can't, it can't just go on like this. We got to stop talking about that because we're going to jinx this I don't want to, I don't want to bring it up, but John, this has just been so interesting. I, I appreciate your time. I'm sorry that I in, encroached into the next hour, but just, you know, you've just been giving us so many things to think about. And, you know, if we want to learn more about Tech Target and, and get in touch with you, is LinkedIn the best way or just go to the website? Yeah, that's a, that's a great way. Go to the website, go okay. to LinkedIn. I love talking about this stuff, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I've spent my I've spent my whole career. I've married... For the second time, neither spouse really is interested in this stuff, but there are a ton of people out there who are, and I get to spend most of my daylight hours with people who do care about this, so that's a great right. pleasure. You know, maybe it's good that you you can hang it up at the end of the day and talk about something <laughs> else <laughs> to re refresh the batteries, but we just appreciate you opening up and, and sharing your wisdom with us and being on the Sales Development Podcast, so thank you so much. Terrific. Anytime, David. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com. <laughs>